Blog Talk Radio. And now, where the paranormal meets the sacred, and all topics in between, live from Los Angeles, California, welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show, with your host, Shaw McCain. Hello everybody, my name is Shaw McCain, and I'd like to welcome listeners to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. My show was created to provide an open-minded platform that welcomes the gifted and extraordinary thinkers from every walk of life and circumstance. Please follow us on the Paranormal and Sacred Facebook and upcoming events for spatial speakers from around the world. And we're happy to say we're translating to many different languages for listeners outside the country. The call-in number tonight is 619-924-9744. During the show, I can answer questions in order in chat, and you may call in to speak and ask questions of our guests. No buzz killers, please. And uh, if you're on the phone buzz killing, everybody would kicked out that does it. So please play nice and be polite. I just have a few announcements before I welcome our guests on. Uh, one is for Marilyn Salas, and she has this energy and healing at Nutmeg's Ojai House. It's called Mondays with Marilyn. So it would be tonight. And uh, it's just for spiritual healings. And it's, she takes appointments from 12 to 5 o'clock, and she said welcome to the walk-ins. And it's located at 304 North Montgomery Street in Ojai. For appointments, just give her a call at 805-640-1656. And then we're having a few things for Ciro. Um, the last lecture event will be November 22nd at 2014, and it's including, a screen, it's including a screening of the documentary Top Priority, The Terror, the Terror, the Terror, anyway, The Terror Within, the compelling truth story about the length of our government will go through to hide the truth. It's an award-winning uh, play featuring the incredible truth story of Julia Davis, a national security whistleblower who was falsely declared a domestic terrorist and subject to retaliation of unprecedented proportions by the Department of Homeland Security. Anyway, you can go find out more at www.topprioritymovie.com. And we're going to have there present and live uh, the producer, B.J. Davis, and his wife, Julia Davis, who will be taking questions from the audience. And for the first time, they will be revealing new compelling evidence surrounding the strange and sudden death of actress Brittany Murphy. Um, that was a very sad event. But anyway, they're going to bring that up. It's just to, uh, you know, uh, there's also a call out for membership. And if you'd like to make a donation, go to www.serialinternational.com. And uh, we welcome donations to keep it going. And we offer support group for those who were uh, impacted by uh, alien abduction, UFO, out-of-body, very strange experiences. Anyway, uh, October 26th is going to be a serial support group. And it's going to be at the Burbank 
secret location, so you have to go all the way out there. And let's see, what else is from November? Starbucks Conference, held the Aquarius Hotel, Laughlin, Nevada, hosted by Paola Harris, November 14th, 15th, and 16th. And then, let's see, what else? There's so much to go. Anyway, start saving your money up for the big uh, party on the Queen Mary. Uh, we have a wonderful Christmas party. Uh, and all together, it's about 62 bucks, and you can go buy, buy your tickets or pay over there at zerointernational.com website. So it's about 62 bucks, and then you also bring a gift, $25 worth, $25 and up, and we do a gift exchange, which is a lot of fun. And this Friday, coming up, we're preparing for Halloween, and we're having Jackie Barrett, uh, the famous psychic medium. And she's going to be conducting a seance, so I don't know what's going to be going on there, but we're going to have that this Friday. Now, tonight's guest is my friend Bruce Gold, spiritual healer and near-death experiencer. And he has had some extraordinary experiences he's going to share with us tonight, and we're having a very special showing just so that he can share with us and talk. And so anyway, I'm going to get him on board here. Welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred, Bruce. It'll take a minute. You know, this whole thing has been slow, including the chat. Hello, Bruce. Welcome. Shar? Yeah, hi. Can you hear me? How are you? Yeah, I can hear Good, you Good, my dear. Thanks for having me I back. Know. I'm just uh, so happy to have you back. And um, you, an extraordinary person, you also have uh, an event coming up this weekend. Why don't we start off by you telling everybody what's going on? Oh, yeah, I'm proud to be part of the um, Holistic Living Expo, which will be taking place um, this coming Sunday, October 19th, at the uh, Beverly Garland Hotel. It's on Vineland. Uh, it's on Vineland between uh, Ventura Boulevard and Riverside, and all information could be accessed at New Earth Expo. Net. And the, um, the uh, brainchild, the brain trust of this whole operation is a good friend of mine and a terrific healer in his own right, Dean Price. And uh, Dean has uh, informed me that anyone who uses my name, Bruce Gold, to, get to, the, uh, to come to the event will come in with free admission. So yeah, happy to accept that. I think that's great. So yeah. uh, anybody, whoever can, get get up there to go see Bruce, and it's, it sounds like it's going to be a wonderful event, and we'll also mention it a few times during this broadcast. So I want to be sure that you know where it is. So, Bruce, you have an extraordinary story, and as our our listeners like to hear, they want to hear like a little bit of your background first and then go into what happened to you. Sure. Um, I was... Uh born and raised in Los Angeles. Uh, actually, I was born in Hollywood. And that was where most of my life took me, into things in the Hollywood uh, uh, kind of uh, neighborhood. I, my jobs were anything from uh, my love for acting, and I did some professional acting, as well as uh, I was behind the scenes as also a talent agent in my 20s. And uh, I did some casting a few years later, uh, I also, um, you know, did, did a lot of work on different sets of different films in different capacities. Um, 
I've also followed a path as a professional singer and a songwriter. Uh, been blessed to have music in two uh, feature films. But um, I took a, an interesting uh, detour, uh, departure in my life when um, a very traumatic thing happened when I was 11 years old. Uh, I lost my dad to a, a, a fatal heart attack. And um, after that, my sensitivities, I guess, got the best of me, and I was pretty traumatized and didn't know that I was actually on a road to depression. I just felt that was my life, and I couldn't really quite grasp a straight path. So I kept moving into different areas of my life, and it seemed that I was gaining some success, but then all of a sudden something would get in the way and I'd be back to square one or even before square one and starting all over again. Um, my life took a real turn when I was placed on medications in 1989. Uh, thinking that I was going to get better, uh, I ended up getting worse and falling further down, as people would call it, the rabbit hole. And uh, I was very much wanting to, of course, as anybody who is dealing with a life where they don't quite get it, uh, I wanted to be focused again and on track. But unfortunately, uh, during that trek, I, uh, uh, the side effects of the medications, unfortunately, removed so many of my uh, workable faculties. So I could no longer taste uh, the true taste of food or drink um, or beverages. I, I was not able to uh, put concrete sentences together. I was not able to read. Um, and uh, I had been a voracious reader since I was about, you know, five years old and loved to read. So I could no longer sing and I could no longer write music. So... I basically became a zombie for all of those years, and um, I was just existing. Wow. I didn't know that. Just how did you make it through that? I have been blessed to have a very, very loving family. My mother, uh, Nori, my my sister Tamara, my brother Larry. Uh, when you lose a parent early on in your life, either you sway from that family or you gain more strength together. And they were always there for me in the best ways that they possibly could be in the ways they knew how to be. Um, I could have easily ended up homeless or on the streets I could have ended up in an institution quite easily. And um, at times I thought that was going to be the case. I've also had uh, inklings of the possibility that I was born with something called Asperger's syndrome. And for those who don't know what Asperger's is, it is what they consider the lowest form of autism. 
Yes. So I was living with the possibility of having Asperger's my entire life. However, I didn't know that. As far as I knew, it was just my life. And I figured everybody has got their own things in life that they're looking to overcome or deal with all their own particular issues, obstacles. And I wasn't going to accept or buy into the fact that I was ill. So I kept forcing myself through it no matter what. And that when a time came in my life where I was no longer able to participate, I became an observer of life. And I learned how to play a game that I call next. And fortunately, I had a friend at the time who was dealing with his own cancer um, diagnosis. And he knew that I was having a troubled time. His name was Stuart Sarbone, and Stuart gave me the word next. And next is something that we should all remember because it's like the next possibility, Char, or the next opening, or the next person you meet might have a part of your answer. So essentially, it was easy to relate to because, you know, I was a normal kid basically the way I saw it. I loved to play games at school. I loved to play at the playground after school. I loved all different activities. I loved board games, everything from shoots and ladders as a kid. You remember that game? Yeah. And Candyland. Yeah, I was and, one of Candyland. And Monopoly and the Game of Life and all these things. And what I did learn during my departure and my time of observance was that it really felt as though I was on some kind of a game board. And if I made the right moves, if I made the, got the, the, the right spin of the dice, then I might find my way back. So with that belief system, And just the faith I had in what I was viewing, not being able to participate at the time, I decided the only area of life I could still be a part of was as an observer. So what at first wasn't any kind of a possibility of a return or a light at the end of my tunnel, suddenly I got a glimpse of it. And at one point, many, many years later, after I'd started my um, downward spiral into the world of these, you know, sense of poisons that were in my system for all those years. And I'm talking about not at one time, but in a trial and error situation, I had over 30 antipsychotic medications that were prescribed to me in like a 12, 13 year period. And some of them were what you call cocktails, which is a combination of a few of them together. I can't. And I guess the idea is to address different parts of the brain. However, it is trial and error, and not anyone is proven to be that perfectly effective 
uh, for any one person. I didn't know it at the time. Mm-hmm. I trusted the doctors that were prescribing it, feeling they knew more than I did, and that they truly had their heart in the possibility of me returning to my life. I hoped that they would have the same desire for me as I had for myself. All right. I found often that was not the case. With your the medical professionals? Correct. Okay. Well, I have, you know, um, my caseload now is, uh, you know, I'm a forensic counselor, so it would be uh, in custody, uh, you know, people with uh, problems. But before this, you know, it was outpatient intensive. And many times I had to take my clients down to the mental health department and they would literally give them bags of pills. And I actually had a consult with one of the doctors one time. I said, you think this is a, this is right to have hundreds and hundreds of mental health pills like this? And he said, well, this is what his answer to me was, oh, you wouldn't want to let the tiger out of the cage. And I looked at him like, is this guy really professional or what? He wasn't even case managing. He just kept writing scripts. He didn't care, in other words. There is a lot of lack these days that I have found, Char, mm-hmm. of the bedside manner that is so necessary that comes along with a medical professional, what a medical professional is supposed to be. Right. A lack I of passion, a lack of empathy, a lack of overall care. Yeah. Like get them in and get them out. And that was sort of what I was dealing with with some particular, without going into any names of the individuals, because I want to believe that a part of the a part of their uh, treatment to me they felt was going to be beneficial. Um, also, I was a part of two yet to be FDA approved medications in the study, and fortunately for me and my intuition. And perhaps my higher power or God or Jesus or any any of the above, you know, spirits that may have been guiding me or, or looking over me at that time, because I do believe I was being watched over. Whether it was my father's my, my late father's spirit or the possibility of, of many other angels out there in the universal flow of love and energy, now that I know this new world of mine. <laughs> yeah. But at the at that point, I really wanted an answer, so I became part of two studies. One of them was a medication that was never approved of because during the study, I was fortunate to have gotten off of it on my own and used my own intuition. Others were not so lucky. They passed away during the study. So they abandoned the study, and they swept it all under the rug. And fortunately for me, the side effects were affecting me so quickly and so heinously uh, that I had to get off of it. And fortunately for me, I did. 
because a short time after I revealed to my doctor that I had gotten off of the medication on my own, I was uh, found out, not through my doctor, but through the grapevine, that they had to abandon the study because people were dying during it. Not a good this, thing. It's horrible. I. It's it's like, why were they dying? Is it uh, the from... Of it, the side effects can affect your brain so severely. These are all unproven. If they're lucky and they hit the right symptoms and the right neurotransmitters and things like that, they're very fortunate. Um, if they don't, it can go the opposite direction. Look, we just lost one of the greatest entertainers of all time recently. Right. Due, due to the fact of, we really don't know the whole picture, but my guess is it had something to do with the side effects of the medication he was on. And to me, Robin Williams was a major gift. He was, um, I, I was fortunate to have met him three or four times through the years. And what I can tell you about Robin was he was the same every time I met him throughout different points of his career. It didn't matter that he had gone from the streets of San Francisco where he was doing mime and, and juggling and things like that on the street to all the way to superstardom and an Academy Award. He was still the same soft-spoken person who loved to make people laugh and be happy and cared about people. And unfortunately, whatever it was that took him to the place where he went to finally, where it became so severely painful, you know, bless his heart. Mm -hmm. God bless him having been here to, to help make us happy, to make and us forget about ourselves and our own problems. And we not realize how difficult it was for him in the process. So I say a prayer right now for our, our dear departed friend and shining light, Robin Williams, that wherever you are, I thank you. Yeah, thank you, Robin. Oh, boy, he made us happy for over 20 years. It's forever, you know, 30. Oh, yeah, I met him in the late 70s. He had just done the um, his first debut show, Happy Days, his mm -hmm. guest appearance as Mork, before they even gave him the Mork and Mindy program. And I met him, at, uh, I was doing, I was singing at the improv at the time, and I came into the parking lot, and, I, and there he was. And he couldn't have been more kind and gracious and caring, asked about my life and my career. And then as I would see him through the years, it was always, hey, Bruce, what are you up to? How are you? You know, it was mm -hmm. never it was never a time where it was about him, about how important he was. It was about him asking about me. And there are a number of there are a number of celebrities out there who adhere to that kind of responsibility because they know who they are. I'm, I'm very fortunate that recently I've, I've made friends with a wonderful gentleman who uh, has been so kind in his uh, decency towards me, who um, has invited me 
into his world. I'm going to just say uh, he knows who he is if he's listening. Mm-hmm. And uh, that I really, really appreciate uh, the times that we're spending together. But this is somebody that everybody knows. And um, and I'm very fortunate for the time. And time is an extremely important thing because what is more important than someone giving you their time? That's right. Not much because it's yeah. theirs to pick and choose where to give it to. So I feel very blessed for those individuals that I have come across in my life who have been there uh, for me uh giving me their time and uh, people like my friend Larry and people like my friend Ed and people, just uh, other people out there who have brilliant lives, who have made incredible impact and become and, and are major healers in their own right. That's something I really want to touch on, Shar, is that yeah. not one of us out there in the world today, no matter what it appears like, does not have some expression of a healing gift to offer. And that's something I really believe from my heart. We all have different modalities of healing and gifts that we've been offered, and if we're lucky enough to tap into those and make that kind of a substantial difference while we're still here, then we are truly blessed. We are. We all have something to give, and we're all part of this big, uh, vast puzzle, you know, and the coincidence is that we run into each other and start traveling in the same circles is uh, so, it makes me so happy. It's beyond, I don't have the right word to say it. Happy, it's beyond happy. It's uh, it's a it's a spiritual adventure. Oh, yeah, and it's it's extremely a learning experience. And what I've learned more and more is that it is a true uh, learning experience. Um, you know, we didn't, in my estimation, we've never left the playground. We've never left our schoolroom as children. We, it just expanded around us. And the options that are available to us are immense more so than sometimes we realize or explore. But there's such a vast, you know, look at the today's, you know, today's uh, commemorating Columbus Day. And, you know, I see what happened in my life sort of like I'm a modern-day Columbus or Magellan or Ponce de Leon, or, you know, or somebody who made a discovery no different than what Columbus did in 1492, except my discovery and uncovery is something that, in another way, as as um, Ferdinand and Isabella made it possible for Columbus to go and discover the West Indies, um, my life of those catalysts that have been involved to my family, friends, um, those that I have met along the way, teachers that made a real impact, have made it possible for me to want to stay here and to have been here long enough throughout all of my uh, difficulty, 
for all those close to 13 years that I was departed from my life to stick around. I don't know how I made it through. I really don't. It's a, it's a real so, miracle. Well, you know, during the time you're going through something, you don't stop and really think, I didn't, how it's all happening. I just was going through it and allowing for some of it to put me in a very, very sad place, one of where I was ready to give up. And then suddenly something would come back and say, no, I'm a winner. I'm not a loser. I'm somebody who has dedicated myself to helping others. And uh, in every job I ever had, it was all about service. Not to the degree that it is today, but it was all about service. When I was an agent, I worked hard for my clients to see that those people who normally wouldn't be seen by casting directors at least got a shot. And uh, one of my one of my former employers was a gentleman named Don Schwartz. And Don's biggest problem with me was he would say, oh, you love actors. He says, you're an actor, so you love actors. And I said, you know, I do. I admire actors. I've learned a lot from terrific actors. Um, so much of our lives are filled with a part of that learning from what we see up on the screen. We go places that we've, you know, in, in both films and books, we are able to travel to places we may never get to physically in life. So, yes, I admire the real true actors. You know, I, I had the great fortune to spend time and, and share uh, conversations with people like Gregory Peck and uh, one of the nicest gentlemen I've ever met in my life was Gregory Peck and uh, the famous actor Jimmy Stewart. And, you know, I had opportunities growing up to meet many, many, many. Uh, I had a, a, a chance when uh, my parents were very close to uh, the Tin Man and the Wizard of Oz, Jack Haley, whom I never met personally, but I did attend his funeral, his wake. And it was like a four-day celebration, and it was a who's who of, you know, of who was still here, people like Gene Kelly. And, and I got a chance to sit and chat with Ray Bolger, and, you know, who was the scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. So my life has always been pretty magical and, you know, almost very fantastical that way. Um, my adopted aunt is a famous movie star, which I'll leave her name out, but she, you know, she and Gene Kelly were singing in the rain, you know. So without, without giving it away too much, you know. But the truth of the matter is we just never know what the next door brings and the next step of our lives bring. And if we're smart enough, we'll be in the now, aware of what our lives were before, 
and have a desire to step forward more and more brilliantly to shine our light in the future. That's what it's all about. I think that everything that's happened to us is actually um, guiding us towards our destiny. Whatever whatever may come and whatever's happening, it's, uh, it narrows down the road and it, uh, it sounds like you have had a, a blessed life and then you've had some extreme uh, issues and, and that's very typical, I have found, of uh, healers and uh, spiritual people that they suffer first, it seems like to me. You bring up the word healer, Shar. Yes. And it's a tough word for me, I must tell you. First of all, I don't believe myself to be a healer. I believe myself to be uh, an assistant, an extraordinary assistant, a conduit, a vessel, an instrument for healing perhaps. But the person who is the healer, that of which is the individual or individuals that I am working on at the time, being an intermediary between their source of love and light and themselves and any malady or any pain or suffering they may be going through. So the word healer for me is tough because in a sense I have to use it because it's what people can relate to. On the other yeah, hand, find a word. say it again. Go ahead. Yes, you have to have a word. Exactly. On the other hand, there's too much of that word out there that it gets totally misused and misconstrued, in my opinion. And I believe that it would be much more believable if, you called your, if we were able to call ourselves helpers or aides or something like that, you know. Yes. But fortunately, unfortunately, it's what it is best understood when people say, you know, what is it you do or, you know, uh, well, you know, what is your profession, purpose, whatever. It's so much easier to say I do spiritual healing or I am a conduit for spiritual healing, um, something of that nature. And, you know, but it wouldn't have the same impact if I said, oh, I, I do aiding. You know what I mean? So it's really difficult for me at the same sense as I know it has to be said. Um, I love... Let me just tell you and, and your listeners, I love, it gives me the greatest amount of pleasure to be that conduit or vessel or instrument used for another person's betterment, to see that shift actually happen. I had a client this morning post that... Um, a session we did just the other evening that the reduction of her tumor went down in just a few hours overnight, half the size. 
when I read something like that and see my name attached to something like that, first of all, it's it's extremely unbelievable to me to believe that I was part of that, that I was one of those major spokes in the wheel or a catalyst for something like that. Right. But I have to accept that I know what my journey has been up to this point and the miraculous shifts and, in a sense, healings that I have witnessed myself. And that's probably one of the most fun parts of the work that I have been brought back to do, and that is that I get to be a witness as well as the instrument used. So, well, can I say something about my uh, my mother? Um, sure, sure. Because sure. this is what happened. So uh, I had actually met Bruce at a, a gathering, uh, a party. I was doing a three-hour special up at Vaughn's house, house in uh, North Hollywood, the Galaxy Gathering. So everybody was up there, and actually I even got to interview Dr. Lair. Remember that? And I had, you know, it's that's what was going on up there. So after it was all over, you know, uh, I couldn't get everybody on the show. It was just so, just so many people, so much excitement. And uh, then there was a lot of uh, interesting things and people showing up there at the party too. So after this show, I came into the living room, and uh, I looked across, and I saw Bruce. I didn't know who he was yet, but when I looked at you, Bruce, I just let you know. I think we are talking about this last night. You didn't know, but when I looked at you, I saw steam coming off your shoulders, and when I saw that, I went, what the heck? And I was looking at you, and and I thought, the immediate thought came to my mind, I think this guy has had a life after death experience. So I actually went over and said to you, um, I'm not sure who you are, but have you had a life after death experience? You said, yes, you don't know me, and we had never met before that time. So I think Providence has uh, stepped in because uh, a few months ago my mother had a uh, massive stroke. She could not walk. As a matter of fact, I was visiting her, you know, her whole left side. It usually affects the side, but both her legs had stopped working, and actually her toes had begun to point to the center. You know, she wasn't even using them. She just, they were like, um, it was just awful to see her like that. Because my mom is quite young looking. She's 79, and she looks younger. But um, anyway, she was there, and I was so upset. So we were, everybody was praying and everything else. But you know what, um, Bruce, thank you so much, because I got Bruce on the phone with my mother, and he prayed for my mother. And he talked to her, and and almost as soon as she hung up the phone, her whole attitude changed. She became determined to stand up. And in a very short time, that woman was standing up. I said to her, I said, Mom, she says, you know, thank you so much. She said, I got so much out of speaking with him. I feel so much better. And then um, she kind of drug her little feet along, but she was very powerfully determined to get up. And, you know, she did. She's walking now. She came all the way from that, and um, I know that you had something to do with that. It was just uh, amazing, and, you know, it was God's will, I'm telling you, because we were scared, we were praying, and my mom's really too young to go out like that, so my mom's happy. I'm told her she can't travel anymore. It happened during a trip she was taking. Well, I remember that. uh, Well, remember that? 
You know, your mom, uh, her name is Claire? Yeah, Claire. Right. Yeah, I remember. I remember very well, actually, um, the conversation. It was a lovely conversation. Um, And pretty much with Claire, as anyone else that I speak to, whether it's over the phone or in person, I really try to my best to convey to them, especially those that I can see suffering, I want to be able to give them an immediate sense for new hope. Yes, and she she definitely that works. So this this was what I will go into is that if you don't mind, um, we almost made it through the first hour, but I would like you to tell people what happened in your what in your near death experience because it's quite an extraordinary uh, story. And that steam I, I saw coming off your shoulders there was a reason that I saw that. Um, just, but you tell the story and then whatever. So just tell the story. Did I mention to you before the party I just come from a steam bath? Oh my God, no! Because you were in a suit. I didn't. I'm teasing you. But... <laughs> <laughs> come on. <laughs> Got to have a sense of humor. First of all, you... let let's go into that for a second. Okay. If a person has forgotten to laugh, please remember. Please remember, because laughter is truly, without sounding too cliche, but a cliche is where something at one point in our lives that were really nice. When people said, have a nice day, we thought they meant have a nice day. And cliches, turn, you know, by themselves, when they first started, were very pure and loving. And they just turned into cliches because people tend to overuse, you know, words and 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 things that they think are, are nice things, and then all of a sudden, those things that we love to hear, we suddenly go, oh, no, not that again. And But when people say from their heart with the intonation, have a nice day, or I'm thinking good things for you, or whatever it is, it really depends on the intonation. And everyone out there, I don't know how many are listening out there, but to spread the word and spread the joy of laughter. And wherever you can get laughter from in a very positive way, not using another person's malady or shortcomings or handicap to to get laughter from that, because that's mean-spiritedness. And that's something, in my opinion, just my opinion, is not necessary to create laughter. But there are so many films out there that are fun films, and it was proven by Dr. Norman Cousins, and he wrote a book, a very important book, about recovery from cancer. And he pinpointed how he felt that a turning point was watching specific comedies. I think everything from the Max Senate comedies the Keystone Cops, Laurel and Hardy, uh, the Marx Brothers, the Three Stooges. And even though there's some kind of sense of, you know, uh, violence or <laughs> uh, attached to those in some ways, but they're, you can see they're playful. You can see that they're not harmful, you know. And that's the difference. In today's world, you turn on the, 
television or you watch a film and you see so much destruction and violence and the messages that are coming across unfortunately are not the greatest that I consider to be things of like when I was growing up and got to see better messages through the media. Unfortunately, it's taken an interesting turn that the the studios are more interested in the almighty dollar and what they can keep on moving forward in their machine and and keep pandering to the kids of mostly violent uh, messages. And unfortunately, that's the path that we have watched going down. So the best I feel that we can do is to pray that that is, they would look at it as just entertainment and not something to be guided by or misguided by. Now, when you mentioned to me, Shar, um, about the near-death experience, yes. I really had no idea that I was going to move into a direction and experience something like that in this lifetime. Wow. So basically, a medication I was on at the time was creating hallucinations. And it's one thing to have hallucinations and uh, hear voices and things like that, but when they're induced, there's a problem there. Yeah. And so I knew I needed to get off of the medication, and I called the um, the poison center. My mother and I, we called the poison center because, you know, I was going through one of those things like in one of those cartoons, like Merry Melodies, um, that Warner Brothers used to put out, where they would show the hallway and how everything gotten bigger around you. Yeah. yeah. It was like the hallway in my home suddenly was moving. So I knew there was a real problem, and That's I was very like an acid trip. Very, it was very much like um, whether it was it'd be like what I've heard acid being, or maybe even right. psilocybin mushrooms, right? Any psychedelics, and so that was what a similar of what I was going through. And uh, these were, and the, the the toughest part was these were not recreational drugs; these were prescribed medications. So that was what was being induced. And at that point, I was very fearful for my life. I was dealing with extreme heart palpitations all the time. And finally. I felt I was just holding on by a string and my body was being severely attacked. So I was getting weaker and weaker. And I've always been a believer that I may not know. I may not know the answer right now. But perhaps it might be right around the next corner. And I believed in meditation. I believed in prayer. I believed in anything that might work. I had to delve into things like alternative medicine practices. Like mm, I remember taking a, a going to see a hypnotist, having acupuncture, acupressure, 
um, reflexology. That was very interesting. It, I learned more about um, the connective points, the energy centers, the chakras, the uh, the nerve endings in our feet being attached to our to different organs and 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 our our hands being attached. Uh, our you know different parts of our body, different organs as well, and and so it's interesting the correlations of where all the nerve endings end up. And I had an interesting experience with a reflexologist that I couldn't deny. It was so weird. Uh, briefly, uh, he put vials of vitamins on my stomach unopened, like it would really make a difference. And he pushed different parts of my feet, and there was pain. And then he put different vitamins on my stomach, and believe it or not, one of the combinations of vitamins he put on, he pushed with the same amount of pressure in the same area that there was pain, and the pain was gone. So, of course, I had to pay attention to something like that, and when I took the uh, vitamins he'd prescribed, which incidentally were non-FDA approved, um, it was breaking through the the more poisonous antipsychs that were in my system, and I was getting some clarity. So brief windows would open up of focus and clarity for me, where I felt like, okay, there's some answer here. I'm not sure quite what it is yet, but there is an answer. So it's interesting to get those little inklings, isn't it? Yes, it is. But if you... you know. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, I was just thinking of something that it's so strange because my mother went through this. Mm. It's just weird to hear about this again because it's not often that you can talk to somebody that has come through it, and my mother is one of them. When I was a teenager, you know, I got married really young by at 16, but I've already left home at 15, but... uh uh, when I was 17, you know, I had my daughter, and I was 17, and my mother had a nervous breakdown. That's what they used to call it back then. And uh, medication would not help my mother. And as a matter of fact, she would take sedatives, and it would never lower her heart rate lower than 250 a minute. That's how she was speeding along, just having a real crash physically and mentally. And... Uh, I remember I had a talk with a doctor. The doctor actually called, and you know, the psychiatrist would call you back then and stuff like that. And he had a talk with me, and he said he was an institutionalized my mother. And I said, no, you're not. I said, I'm going to take off. I'll take my mother, I'll take my baby, and I'll, I'll leave. You won't be able to find us. And he said, uh, well, I'll make you a deal. He said, I'm so scared for your mother. And she was. She was extremely violent, uh, I insisted that my sisters, because uh, I lived in the front duplex and I put my whole family in the back duplex, that my husband at that time's uh, father, oh, I mean not father, but uncle owned all the duplexes. So I put my mother and the kids and my sisters in the back. Anyway, I told my sisters to feed her like she's normal and keep doing everything like you do every day. But she was so hard to handle, she'd throw the food against the wall and she was extremely violent. It was really terrible. 
But I, I would have taken her anyway, but he said, well, if you bring her in for shock treatments, he said, I think that they may help her. So um, I actually made him promise that he would not. Because back then they could just snatch you and put you in the mental hospital. You know, it's not like that anymore. Sure. But uh, anyway, uh, I brought her in and she started getting uh, shock treatments. And it was so sad for me. I I can remember when she came out because I'd have to hold her teeth. And then she would come out with a jelly on her head and just stumble out, you know. And then she said she was starting to have uh, psychedelic dreams and stuff like that. And she started getting a little calmer. And um, one night uh, my sisters uh, came running up. And it was my my third sister, actually. I have a bunch of sisters. I have four. But uh, she came running up. She says, come on, Mom's calling for you. And Mom's calling for you. So it was a... this is right. It was in the morning, so I guess something happened during the night. So I went over there and I sat by her bed. My mother was sitting up in bed and she looked normal. I went, Mom, what happened? She said, Well, she said a bird sang to me all night. It was sitting outside on the fence and he sang to me all night. And she said, I knew by no, no morning I was going to be back. And she was uh-huh. back. And she's had you know situa- you know problems since then, but. Uh, she came back, and she's been back, you know, all these years. And it's a miracle that people come back from that. You know, so I don't often hear this story, Bruce. No, I'm sure. Um, And I'm sure that's why I could connect to Claire the way that that we were able to connect to one another. Um, I I always believe, Char, and, uh, and to the audience out there, that we are all capable of amazing things if we're brought to those awarenesses. Uh, The other thing is to really remember is that I remember any time that I am blessed to be with another that I'm I'm called to be there with, whether it's uh, figuratively or or literally, um, that I am there not only as a facilitator or a teacher I'm also there as a student yes and I think that's one of the things that's carried me through this is that with all the that I've been able to express and expand and to share as this interesting helper um I've also gained so much knowledge and information and but recognize in each situation that I've been brought to in the 12 and a half year period that I've been so honored to be able to share this of the correlating factors of the relationship to that individual that I may have never met before. Right. Of, of the coinciding signs of those things, those signs and signals, those universal connective points of energetic flow. And to know that it's right on time, to know that our meeting is right on time, is so much of a, a validation as well as a benefit to have that inner knowledge that it's right on time. 
Right. It, it's a, it's all a, it's a divine intervention. It's a, I don't know what else to call it. It's just a, sometimes I think it's a divine interruption. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it it's something that you know, even though I kid about it, I feel so. You know, in lieu of another word other than blessed, um, I feel seen by the divine. I feel watched over by the divine. I couldn't be doing the work without it being a partnership, Shar. Right. Others say, oh, well, you have to give all the glory to God. Or Jesus. And I look at them and I said, you know, I understand what you're saying. However, God and Jesus and my higher power gave me a choice. And so it's really up to me as well where and when I express this. So, like somebody going into a job, like you're going into your drug counseling and your, um, mm-hmm. you know, your um, area of consulting and being a, um, you know, being an advocate, mm-hmm. because essentially that's what you do. Yeah, that's true. You have I'm to have to a partnership that. going in. Otherwise, it's not going to be the complete picture that you need. Right. And same with me. I'm called to a stranger's home, someone that may have been heard about me from my website or met me at a somewhere in public um, or some kind of a recommendation by a friend. I go there already knowing that that's where I belong. The one advantage that I feel I have and I'm not saying over anyone else because there's no comparison. Not one of us are walking the same path in the same shoes. So the challenge I have is to, when I am in the moment, to know that that's where I belong because there's no refuting that where we are, something has led us there. Whether we choose not to believe in God, to believe in God, that's really neither here nor there. But the fact of the matter is there's no refuting that's where we belong at that point in time. So the guidance is there, irrefutably so. What we do there, the choice is ours and the other individuals or individuals, not just ours alone. Right. If it was just a just one person, just mine, that would be a lonely spot. It's actually for everybody to keep us reconnecting and help each other heal and actually remind each other, okay, you're on this road, keep going, keep going, don't give up. One of the most important words that I have come across in my entire lifetime to remember is remember. Mm Mm-hmm. We have to remember, well, first of all, there's not one of us walking around today 
whether we truly are that age as a child. But there's not one of us that if we did remember that that's where we started as children. And that's what unfortunately gets in the way, that we don't remember enough that it's okay to still be a child in some sense. Like we have to pretend because it is pretending because we are still children. Look, we were awestruck. We were, we had imagination. We were told imagination was really our lives until we were told otherwise. Right. So, fortunately for me, and in so many ways, I have remained a child. But otherwise, I'm a responsible child. I want to feel that I am a responsible child who will follow through with what his word is and and be there for those that need the aid, um, who need compassion, who need a heart to feel connected to. Sometimes when I'm not doing anything, I'll just take off and go sit with some individual that I meet on the street and just sit with them and hold their hand just right. because I know it will make a difference for them. That's right. So my work, I've been blessed to come back and basically be employed for the rest of my life. There will never be a time of my life that I will not have employment. There's no retirement plan in my work. No. Well, are you going to tell us what happened? People are asking questions now. Well, that thing, I've been trying to avoid it. Are you kidding? (laughs) I know this. Now it's time to speak up because we have some bunch of questions. Thanks for keeping me on track. On that note... Yeah. Good night, everybody. No, I'm kidding. No. Anyway, I did have a out-of-body near-death experience occur, a couple of them, actually. The most severe one, the most prominent one, took place on the 405 freeway. It happened on May 7th, 2002. I said I believe in the power of prayer and meditation and things. I was on my way to, for those who are familiar with the Agape Spiritual Center, located in Fox Hills in Los Angeles. I've been a member since 1992 or three, something like that, a short time after Reverend Dr. Michael Beckwith started his congregation. Now, what I love about Agape is that it's not a... uh, place that anyone demands that you must be there and do their activities. It's a come-as-you-go type thing of what you get from there. There are classes offered. There are all different parts of the community that are active, but it doesn't mean that you have to be there at any one time. You can come and go as you please. And I love the interconnectedness of the whole thing, that it's more ecumenical. It's more, um, you know, trans-denominational, as they call it. So I was really afraid 
leading up to um, my near-death experience because, I, as I said earlier, I was getting heart palpitations as well as um, feeling attacked, uh, my body feeling attacked and getting weaker and weaker. So I entered onto the freeway. It was about 11.30 in the morning. And as I was moving into traffic, um, my left arm went numb, and I felt a crash on my chest. Now, it's interesting how premonitions or precognition works, Char, because uh, for the first time ever, I had an inkling that I needed to uh, take a bottle of, uh, of aspirin and place it in my front pocket before I left the house. Wow. So I was in a place of panic, and I was very afraid of my life for my life at that time. The day before, I had visited Agape, had a wonderful prayer done for me by the um, resident guitarist there, close friend of mine that I'll give a shout-out to, David Neal, who became one of my angels. David prayed for me. He wasn't a practitioner but he knew that I needed prayer. We didn't know each other well at the time. And uh, he's somebody I'm very proud of. He just uh, got engaged. I'm very proud of him and, and, uh, and congratulate him on that. However, um, I woke up the next morning pretty panicked. And so I was heading to Agape. My left arm went numb. My, head, my chest crashed. And I involuntarily reached for that aspirin bottle as I'm still moving into traffic. Now, anybody who knows the 405 around the Wilshire Boulevard area knows that almost any given time there are going to be a number of cars on it. So as I was moving towards the airport, because that's where Agape is located, um, that's when it all happened. Now, involuntarily, I pulled the bottle out of my pocket and I more than likely chewed off the cap or the plastic into the plastic because there's that stupid safety cap that I had to deal with. And there was no way that with one hand I could do anything other than hold the bottle and chew into the plastic. Thank God it wasn't a glass bottle, you know. And uh, all I remember is chewing the aspirin as it poured down my throat. I have no idea how many aspirin found their way to my throat but I chewed rigorously I remember that and then suddenly I started to feel like there was no pain anymore but during that that understanding or that recognition I sensed a sense of myself that wasn't there any longer I felt I was like I got a lighter than light feeling and people who don't know me out there have never seen my picture or, or know anything about my stature physically. I'm six foot three. Probably at that time I was about a lot more slender. I was about closer to 200 pounds. However, I still was a pretty big guy. And I sensed no feeling like I didn't have any weight to me any longer. Well, at that point, I realized I was starting to feel a bit faint, and I'm behind a wheel of a car on a, on a, on a heavy 
uh, traffic um, freeway going 50, 60 miles an hour at the time. And suddenly I realized that uh, I sensed that I was getting weaker and weaker. Even though the pain was gone, I looked down and there were parts of now where my hand or my arm was and my leg was that suddenly there was like a mist look, like a, like you said, like a steam, like a smoke. Mm-hmm. And that's more than likely what your intuition or what you as a seer or whatever viewed. Because yeah, it is what I, thought. I was becoming, and I didn't think of it until just putting it together, but literally I watched mist appear. And I imagine that was my soul lifting from my body. Wow. And um, because as we know, the flesh remains. The flesh does not carry forward. The soul does. But the flesh stays behind. And case in point, that the vessel, the human vessel, with the body and the, and the bones and, and the muscles and all the organs is what is put into the ground or, you know, or whatever way they take care of it when, when we make our transition or we die. So truly I was looking at something that I really didn't know what it was. A light came shining at me and I didn't know if it was inside the car or outside, but it was a big beam of light. So the light we keep hearing about during death experiences, I did experience the light coming on me, shining on me. And then from there, it was like as though I was pulling straws out of a cup and trying to get the longest straw. I kept trying things. Uh, during that ride, I did everything from trying to make a phone call to my family to say thank you, it didn't work, hopefully I'll see you on the other side kind of thing, yeah. to um, pounding my chest once I got a message from a strange vision that came of, like, magistrates or judges making some decision, feeling like I was being brought into a portal, now, the real telling part of this is when they say there's no time and space. I got to experience that aspect of life, Char, and or non-life, because once I started to dissolve, and remember, I'm behind a wheel of a car in midday traffic in Los Angeles on the freeway, no, no less. Mm-hmm. I'm having to focus. So finally, I, you know, I just said when this was happening and I started to feel the lightness of being, I said, Bruce, the only thing you can do is let go, not have control of this and go through it and see what this is you're going through. And, you know, not knowing if there was a God for real, not knowing if there was a higher power or a, uh, a, a, a God, a Jesus, uh, you know, a Buddha, whatever it was, or, you know, any kind of, uh, you know, um, 
you know, Allah, whatever you want to call it. I had no idea, but then again, all my life I had heard the word God. And I knew that God was this universal word that you go and meet anyone, a stranger, who tells you they have nothing in common with you. Well, that's not true, because if you say the word God, whether it's in your own language or theirs, they're going to be able to relate to it. So I make a joke when people say to me, oh, I don't know you, you're a stranger. I said, well, do you, I'm just going to take a chance here, but have you ever heard the, the word or, or uh, had a, a, an opportunity to drink water? And they said, well, yeah, I drink water. I said, oh, my God, look how much we have in common. <laughs> and you thought we had nothing. So to me, it's a joke, but at the same time, it's a sad joke. Because I see us all as fellow travelers here to aid one another, you know? I do, too. And so when I see something like that and I make a a ludicrous um, observation like that and find that I I need to, it's almost sad. But it's just the way of life or where we've come to in life in 2014. Now, as I was traveling on the freeway and I was letting go, Char, I decided I have no control over this. And I realized that the only color I saw was in the car and outside there was like this gray mist. There was like this gray hue. It was like slow-mo. Everything was going slow-mo. And I was doing my best to just hold on to the wheel and just hold on steady and kind of make it like a surreal dream because that was all I had a choice of at that time, if you understand. Like basically, you know, what would you do at that time? Right. Right. I know what I did and I know that I would felt instinct the instinct to do it, but I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have prepped for anything quite like this. I sensed that I, like I said, over the days before leading into it, I did sense that I was about to lose my battle. I did sense that. I sensed that all these years I had held on, and all of a sudden I I was not gaining anything on the the negative or the um, the side that felt like it was attacking me. So I felt like I was being attacked and I was moving further, further into the red. And I wasn't able to push back into the black, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. So I really was sort of not necessarily giving up, but I felt like I was being defeated. I felt like I was at a point of almost acquiescing or surrendering because I had fought so hard to stay all those years, not even knowing why I, I, how I had made it through. I went from when I was having to get an idea of my life, I had friends growing up, a number of friends. And suddenly... 
during these years from like 1989 to 2002, I had no friends, I had no contacts, I had no girlfriends, I had no possibility of of moving into a place of marriage as as my friends had and with kids and and basically, you know, sometimes when we don't we lose track of people and we we, you know, uh don't talk to someone for quite a while, we just assume they've moved on with their lives. They may have moved out of town or started another life elsewhere and you know, so we're so busy with our own that we don't think about, you know, the possibility that uh of something that where I was just basically an imprisoner within myself. And people move on and, and it's no fault of their own. It's just they are they become so overwhelmed or focused in their own lives that they just figure, oh well if you're gonna call them they'll call you call them or whatever they may think of you at some point but it's not you're not a focal point in their lives any longer. Right. So basically, so how did you get out of it? Because remember, uh, I'm remembering it. Did you go? You went to the gas station, right? <laughs> you finally pulled off. Yeah, I was there actually. Passed it last night. <laughs> oh really? Oh yeah, yeah. It's right in my neighborhood, so I I buy it all the time. It used to be a Texaco station. Uh, for those of you who know the West Los Angeles area, um, in fact, actually, it was two nights ago. I was um, by there, right across the right across the street from there. And every um, every I guess it's I don't even Saturday night I believe Friday and Saturday maybe. They're still doing the Rocky Horror Picture Show at the New Art yeah. Yeah, on Santa Monica Boulevard. And this was right across from the New Art. At the time that, uh, at the time in 2002, it was a Texco station. And it was directly off the Santa Monica exit. And one of the things, without getting too much about the freeway, because... I was able to get off the freeway safely, as safely as I could, without harming myself or another. That was a miracle in itself because I was three lanes, four lanes over, and I had not gone one exit and was fortunately able to go over three uh, lanes to be able to, by the skin of my teeth, make it off of the freeway. Um, I had to, before that happened, find my way back to my body. Now, for those of you who have never dealt with an out-of-body or a near-death experience, it'll be hard to wrap your head around something like that more than likely. But, um, you know, there are several movies that have depicted this type of thing leaving your body. Ghost was one of those things. Um, Ghost, the fabulous Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore, and Whoopi Goldberg won an Academy Award for her performance. And how fantastical my life is that I have a connection to Whoopi and her family because years ago when Whoopi first came on the scene, 
um, I was one of her limo drivers. In fact, I drove her and her family to a wedding she had back in 1986, 87, something like that. And Whoopi was so cool that she invited me to come to the reception because I was sort of a member of the family at that point. So, you know, I've I've had an interesting path <laughs> in so many ways. We have. And uh, at that party, i got to tell you, there was a who's who of everybody because nobody knew who Whoopi was at the time. And so... Um, uh, she was doing stand-up, right? She was in stand-up. She had done Color Purple at that time. Um, oh. Nobody really knew who she was other than... Steven Spielberg uh, directing her in The Color Purple and finding her because she had done a one-woman show in uh, New York. And uh, But the, the, comedic, the comedic world knew who she was, you know, and she had, I think, she'd already had a friendship with Billy Crystal and Robin Williams, um, but she, you know, branched out on her own once she got her um, feet wet in the color purple. And um, so I was, uh, I remember the first time I drove her daughter and then we connected and I actually took her and a good friend of hers, a little boy named Chris, they were sweet, and Alex is her daughter. And we drove over to um, the uh, Inglewood area. And I had no idea what Whoopi was about, and it, I, I got the impression maybe because there was a, a focal point of a church and all that. But where we ended up was on the uh, on the set of uh, the first Lethal Weapon. And uh, so, if you remember the the movie, uh, there's a scene in there, a memorable scene where they blow up a house. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Well, I was there when they did it. Wow. So she, the, Alex went there just to hang out with Danny Glover's daughter, and uh, Danny couldn't have been more gracious to me, and it turned out that the uh, I was offered a part on the film because I ran into uh, my friend's uncle who was directing it. <laughs> wow. So Come here on, I am as a chauffeur driving Alex and Chris to the set. And uh, at that time, Mel Gibson had only done like The Year of Living Dangerously and Mad Max. Those were his big movies. So, you know, this was his breakout starring role. And um, so when I ran into uh, the director, Dick Donner, Richard Donner, uh, when I was told that he was the director, because I, you know, I'm always inquiring. I was in an acting class at the time, and in fact, I was worried about not being back on time for my for my scene that I had to do with my partner that night, because you never know how long these uh, drives last. Once yeah. you're on site with somebody, you have to be there and you have to be sort of at their beck and call. So I had I wasn't really thrilled about not knowing whether I was going to make it to my class or not. But sure enough, I get there, and then I hear that Dick is the uh, is the director, and I walk over as he's talking to uh, Mel and, and Danny, 
and I'm standing on the side, and he broke his concentration when he saw me because <laughs> I hadn't <laughs> seen him in years. And, uh, you know, and he had no problem remembering me. And, you know, and it, it's just one of those things where we have these interconnections all the time. If we're smart enough to watch them happen, like a connective point or a, a pieces of a puzzle fitting in, it's amazing the way everything just connects in the continuum. It this does. was a it's prime example. Exactly. And this was before I even knew that I that I was this uh, that I had the ability to be this gifted healing person, teacher, whatever. So, you know, having uh, the awareness of the situation that occurred on the freeway um, leading me into the understanding that I had this buried treasure of a healing gift it's just been an immense awakening. Now... When when you had the uh, you came back uh, you came back a different person. How this is one of the questions from chat. How did you first become aware that you had a gift for healing? Well, as I mentioned before, I was connected to the Agape spiritual community, and I had been a member of their choir since my uh, uh, since a very short time of my joining the. Uh, the uh the church community i call it how um how being the acronym to stand for house of worship um so my how <laughs> uh like yeah. my indian side you know how <laughs> yeah and i um basically returned to perform with the choir it was on uh June 30th, 2002, it was a Sunday, Choir Sunday, and during that sermon that was given, interestingly enough, not by Michael Beckwith, but by a friend of his that he had allowed to do the sermon that afternoon at that service and the one previously, and he talked about the true meaning of love. Now, this is about a month and a half after my a serious situation on the freeway. And um, he talked about, in the mainstay of that conversation by this gentleman named Silvio, he was an Italian man from, I believe, Turin, Italy. And he basically said, and the impactful thing was when he said that the true meaning of love is that in order to love others, and I'm sure you can Finish this with me. All right. You must first love yourself. Yourself. And when I heard that the second time, now this was three days after I decided enough was enough with my medication, and I just cold turkey took a shot with it. And I want to say right now to anybody who is on serious medication out there that is being prescribed by a doctor, please do not take what I did as something you should do for yourself. 
I am not a doctor, so I cannot prescribe legally. What worked for me worked for me at the time. It had to do with a lot of elements, timing factors in my life. And what you do for yourself is up to you. But I am saying right now, very importantly, I would never, ever recommend to anybody to take the same path I did. So basically, while the medication was coming out of my system, some weird things were happening. The day before I performed with the choir again, for the first time in five years, I had a visit. I had a pointed, definite visit from an unseen, wonderful, enlightening force. And how I knew it was real was that I couldn't tell a soul that it had happened. All I did was when I went for my dress rehearsal the day before I performed with the choir again on that uh, choir Sunday on the 30th of June, I asked my friends to pray for me because I didn't know if what I experienced was something to tell me that I was going to be lifted out of my pain and still remain here or if I was going to be, in a sense, taken home. So I was very fearful at that time, Shar. Well, believe it or not, right after that service and hearing that incredible message from Silvio, I met a lady. And this woman I had never met prior to this, it was almost like she was guided to me. Her name is, um, she goes by Ashtara Sasha White. And she was here visiting in, at Agape for the very first time, having been brought there by a friend. Well, when she and I started to speak, she told me that she was a mystic and a psychic and a, a channeler and a healer. And I kind of took it with a grain of salt because, you know, I was kind of a layman to this world. And I just felt like, okay, that's kind of weird. But she seems nice enough, and I don't try to judge books by their cover, ever. I make a point not to. And so I figured, you know, I don't know, and who knows? And I asked her for a card because I started to think about the visit that I thought I received the day before, as well as the near-death experience and all the succession of events that were leading up to that now present time. So she happened to have one card and said it was for me. And then her friend came over and her friend started looking at me like she might know me or recognize me and I didn't recognize her. But wouldn't you know it, her friend turned out to be one of my brother's best friends growing up. And then Sasha, who I knew her as Sasha because she goes by all different uh, archangel names that she channels. And, uh, and, you know, I really highly recommend her work. She's doing wonderful healing out there. 
we ended up getting together and um, going out on a date. And I hadn't been on a date in God knows how long and couldn't connect. So suddenly, all of a sudden, I was starting to feel my oats again and feel like, hmm, maybe I can do this. And and I sensed that the medication was coming more and more out of my system, so my focus was gaining. When you see these kind of events occur, suddenly you wake up. <laughs> yes. For lack of a better way to put it. Does that make sense? Yes. And so my hope became stronger. Well, we went to dinner, and she started to do, like, some clairvoyant stuff with me and start talking about some things, and I felt, well, that could be intuition. That could be, I don't know, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, she had a good guesswork, whatever you want to call it. And um, we went out after that. We took a ride, and during that ride, she did an amazing healing on what my doctor had prescribed, had um, diagnosed as a bruised rib. And within five seconds, that bruised rib that was painful just to the touch and moving a certain way, you know how you like you move a certain way and then you'll feel it, but other ways you don't? Well, I would move a certain way and I'd feel this pain right in my chest in my rib cage and five seconds later it was gone forever (laughs) so of course I wanted to know what was going on and she basically said to me just kind of mischievously as she can be sometimes God healed you and of course it took me forever to get the words out the three words God healed me because I was stuttering suddenly. The pain in my chest was gone, but suddenly I had the stutter I needed help with. Mm. <laughs> I'm just kind of kidding there, but I was okay, I very much frozen in the moment because here I was driving, thinking that she was going to recommend a possible holistic uh, friend to me, an acupuncturist or a reflexologist or something I was familiar with and suddenly within five seconds of her saying my pain would be gone without touching me she pushed her hand on my chest I screamed ouch and then she said does that hurt and I said what are you nuts of course it hurts you heard me scream and then all of a sudden I realized You know how we hear the echo of our own voice sometimes? Yes. Well, I didn't sense that there was any pain attached to the echo. So I thought, could it be? Could this have been a reactive ouch because of the five-second period that it was to, to, to change, you know? I mean, we're talking five seconds at the most. And suddenly I realized... What world did I just walk into, you know? Yeah. Because suddenly there was no pain, and I'm going, how could that be? And then she said, God healed me, and instead of me thinking before that, oh, i got to get this girl home because she's nuts, 
I started to think, what else has she got to share with me? So I said to her, once she, there was no refuting that my pain was gone, I said to her, I want to hear more. So we ended up doing, uh, taking a long drive on PCH, and I'm, I was feeling so amazingly watched over at the time, almost protected, if that makes sense. Yes. And we ended up uh, out in Ventura sharing a dessert together and got her home around 4 in the morning. We got together the next day. She wanted to do a full-on session with me. And during that session, weird stuff started happening that I could not explain. Like things like suddenly my finger that was at on my third eye area right there in the middle, you know, between my, you know, the middle of my nose, up my forehead, my pineal gland area, I couldn't move it. <laughs> it was stuck without any glue, crazy glue attached to my finger. And then I couldn't move my hand from the top of a statue outside. I could not. It was though it was plastered on. And uh, we were at uh, the home of her friend, um, the one the, the who was my brother's friend. And they, she had a trampoline in the backyard for her kids, a full-on professional trampoline. And I just took off for that trampoline (laughs) and just jumped up and down and screamed, what is going on? (laughs) And you couldn't imagine the scene. It was amazing. Well, you probably were relieved and, you know, you were excited and happy. You felt better. I was not sure what to think anymore, Char. And so we went back into the house, and she continued doing the reading on me. And then she was, you know, imagine if I said to you, Char, we're going to make a birthday cake. Mm -hmm. And we're going to need all the ingredients for this marvelous chocolate cake. So we're going to need Baker's chocolate and eggs and flour and sugar and candles for the cake because it's a birthday cake and you're a healer and we can also use some other maybe some cherries to put in the frosting you know what I mean and suddenly I hear her say that as she was telling me all the things that I could be or possibly professions that I could do and I heard her say the word healer and I thought that's out of place I have no idea what she means by that. So I said, could you rewind a little bit and go back to that part you said, healer? And she says, oh, yeah, that's what I'm hearing. And I'm saying, well, there was nobody, you know, at that time that we don't have the uh, ear 
earpieces into phones like they do today, that everybody has an earpiece in their, you know, hands-free thing or whatever it is. And it looked like she was listening to unseen something, you know. And I thought, what could she be hearing? And I was just watching this like I'm watching some weird dream or movie. And I said, healer. And I made a joke. I said, you know, I grew up watching individuals on television, usually not on network television, but on the same stations that carried like professional wrestling and the roller derby. And, you know, we know how real that stuff is. (laughs) Not. And, you know, I would see these people, people named like, there was a black gentleman named, called himself Reverend Ike. Yeah. And then there was another man who wore like powdered blue um, suits made out of... um, you know what's the what's the very uh, cheap soft material? Mm, I don't know. I can't really remember the name. You know, if somebody has the answer to that, you can always call in. But <laughs> I'm telling you, very cheap um, looking suits with a big oh, yes, carnation sir. on his lapel, and this man's name. He was a southern man, and his name was. Ernest Angley. And Ernest Angley was the kind of uh, healer that would push people down. And I would think, now they really need a healing. Because <laughs> they'd end up on the ground. Oh, the Holy Spirit coming through. God, you know what I mean? The evangelicals and the those people. And you watch them kind of like on the the sidelines going... How real could that be, you know? But people seem to be better, and you want to be hopeful that these people who are in wheelchairs suddenly can get up and people who are on canes and crutches can suddenly throw them away. You know what I mean? You want to hope for the very best for a person. At least I did. So when she started telling me this, I started making jokes because it was too weird. And then I said, well, like Amy Semple McPherson, who used to have a church where she did healings in the in the 40s or something. In yeah, LA, I, remember, I started but say Mary Baker Eddy, who created Christian Science. And I was just throwing, you know, I was just throwing every name out there I could think of because it, it was too surreal. And then she, and then I said, you know, why don't we just pull over all the cards? And I made a joke, and I said, you know, Jesus. And she says, yeah, more like that. And I said, you're out of your mind. So what you're saying to me, and I, I, you know, I've had acting training, and I've acted in plays and television and different parts of, uh, you know, acting uh, areas. 
And I just looked at this like an improv. I just looked at this whole thing as an improvisation. And I looked at her and I said, so what you're saying to me is that I can put my hands on someone and I can take away their pain? And then I said, I stopped myself, Char, and I said, no, that's not what you're saying to me. What you're saying to me is, I can put my hands on somebody and remove their disease. And she's looked at me and she listened to the side, whatever she, you know, whatever was going on there. And she says, yeah, that's more like it. And I went, and I screamed at the top of my lungs, you're out of your mind, you're crazy. And I ran out of there. You did? Oh, yeah. Oh, I was freaked. Who wouldn't be freaked to hear something like well, that? We have like 14 minutes left, so... Um, Why don't we have some think? people call in if they'd like, and I'd love to do some uh, over the work. Oh, okay. Um, the call-in number tonight is 619-924-9744 if you'd like to call and speak with our... Our guest, he does do healing over the phone and remotely. So I really want to encourage you to call in right now. It might be a little too late. We should have been saying this all along. Um, well, I've enjoyed the conversation. Yes, it's been really great. Now, how, you know, I know that uh, you're uh, now have been helping many, many people. How did that young girl do you remember uh, you were working with a girl with uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma over at the hospital? Uh, How, uh, what happened with that case? I got called by a very close friend of mine, um, Jeff uh, Carrillo, and his cousin was the young lady you're talking about. I think it was back in January. Yeah. And... Uh, I went to the hospital, to the ICU at about midnight. He asked if I would go with him there, meet him there. And I did. And um, and I worked on her. And as far as I know, she's still with us. Um, I haven't really seen her. I didn't see her again after that. A lot of people uh, that I work on, uh, that I have the uh, honor of working on, um, sometimes it's only one time. And yeah. sometimes I can I find that I'm the catalyst like I, I give an analogy like an apple pie. And sometimes I'm the apple of the apple pie. But other times I'm the cinnamon or the sugar or the eggs or the um you know I'm part of the elements leading up to make the recipe, if that makes sense. Okay. Sometimes yeah, actually, I am. Yes, you are. You're part of the. You're part of the mix. And I have a call right now, and oh, great. the first caller I have, her name is Anne. Hi, Anne. You're live with Paranormal and the Sacred. Can you hear us? Hello. Yes, I can Hi, hear Anne. you. Hi, Char. How are you? Hi. Doing real good. Do you have a question for Bruce? Uh, well, Bruce, I just want to tell you that, you know, so much of your life is 
very, very similar to my own. And oh, hi, I Anne. How honestly are you? hi, good. Nice I just to wanna meet let you. nice to meet you. Um yeah, I'm just I'm just sitting here in my kitchen and I'm going, Boy, he is talking to me. He is talking about me. He is you know, so it it is kind of shocking. Um and uh I was telling Shar earlier that I always wanted to be a healer. Like I had seen a movie one time a long time ago where this woman who had uh, who was a healer like put her hands around this poor child with cancer yeah. and just healed her and didn't even tell her that you know what was happening just let her go on her way and um ever since then I would always wish that and I just want to say thank you for saying that we all heal in different ways you know, and um, I just try to live my life in a way that I give and give and give. Um, I don't necessarily have, like, a, an illness or anything. You know, I have lots of illnesses, but it, nothing that really, <laughs> you know, you need to heal me for, I guess. But um, uh, I'm just enjoying your conversation and your story so, so, so very much. So... Thank you, Anne. That's a wonderful uh, thing to hear. Uh, it was the film, uh, possibly Resurrection. That's what I was thinking. You think was so? Like birthday? the girl had, like her hair was falling, and this woman just embraced this little girl, and instead of hugging her, she put her two hands on her back and pulled yeah, her close to her. I believe I you're talking about Ellen Burstyn in, in Resurrection. Yeah. Well, if that's what it is, then that's what it is. I don't recall. Yeah. It was done in 1980. Oh, yes. Okay. And it was uh, interesting, uh, just a quick little story about that. Um, I was actually at a movie theater going to see another film, and like, you know how, like, another film is, it starts before the other one, so you've got to, like, hang out there before the other one. Well, this one started, and I forgot about the other film I was there to see. I got yeah, so so, so incredibly um, uh, moved by it, and felt like I was glued to the screen. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was a an incredible film uh, about a woman who had a um, near death experience. Her husband died in a crash with her in a car. And she made it through. And then once she was recovering from her injury, she discovered um, a healing gift. If that sounds familiar to you. Yeah. yeah that's and, and the sounds funny familiar part because is... because that's is, what you just said for yourself. <laughs> yeah. During the that's illness right. and True. during my ill, my Ill days, uh, I had mentioned before that I had worked on sets. Well, at one point... During my um, interesting uh, journey and still being on meds, I was assigned to uh, assist and drive Ellen Burstyn. Oh, wow. And on this film called Trick of the Eye. And so we connected because of resurrection. I didn't know I had this gift at the time. In fact, I'm still hoping to be able to share that with her one day. But during the yeah. time I was with her, she had a friend dying of AIDS, and I actually accompanied her to 
the home of this gentleman, and I got a chance to be there with him during that time. And she, not even knowing me very well, allowed for me to come in and, you know, and, and hold his hand and whatever. So there was some sense of something that we both felt connected to. Mm-hmm. And um, there are a lot of movies that, you know, talk about incredible things like Powder's another one. Um, Phenomenon with uh, John Travolta is another one. Um, There's so many films that, you know, that really talk about these kind of things and give hope. Mm -hmm. Even Ghost, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, uh, Anne, you are located where? I'm in Orange County, New York. Oh, you're in New York. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because I I was saying that... uh, the event I'm doing on Sunday, if you were in the L.A. area, I, I invite you as my guest to come to the event and, and meet me. <laughs> okay. Um, but I should okay, probably... Okay, get a ticket. <laughs> yeah, but I, I should probably be in New York soon. Okay. Oh, um, good possibilities. I'll be doing some media stuff there. Um, but I, I, can I, is there something I can offer you over the phone at least to... You know, where people find that they don't need a healing directly, what they find is a different sense of peace in themselves. So I'd like to direct some, uh, to point an energy with your permission right to you right now. Yeah, I'm already um, feeling uh, quite a bit of emotion coming on. Um, I have a lot of broken things in my life. Uh, So any sort of, you know... Guidance and I, I need I need um, resolution. Okay, for can you do for, since we're short yeah. on time? Yeah. I just want you to wherever you are is the right place. Realize the timing of this is all right on time, and mm-hmm. and I just want you to open your imagination up, and I want you to ever so slightly open your mouth so you can create a channel for me because there is no time and space in my world. And I would just want you to feel and receive what I'm sending you at this very instant. Thank you. I, I feel um, like a, some, like not so much a shockwave, but energy coming through. Like a tingling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 more of like um a weight sensation. Like I feel like oh um weight coming through. Okay, as long as it's a comfortable feeling, I'll claim it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I My felt pleasure. it. <laughs> uh, I felt the tingling. I'm sorry. I'll let you go. Thank you so no, much. No, 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 Anne. Thank you for calling. Thank you, okay. Anne, so Yeah, much. let me know when okay. you're in New York, you know. <laughs> Absolutely, and I do do remote <laughs> things over the phone as for donations so I can keep moving my work forward. Well, okay. well get your, give your phone number out, or do you uh, want me to quit? Well, I'll, 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 I'll message that to you, hon. <laughs> I'll message okay. that one to All you, right. and you could give it to him. <laughs> no, I'm not your phone number. His phone number. I wouldn't give oh. that to you. <laughs> I was like, why do you want me to give my phone number to the world? I don't think so. (laughs) Um, And you can contact me through my, uh, and everyone else can contact me 
through my uh, email. Okay. It's heal thyself, but actually it's H-E-E-L, because H-E-A-L was not available. H-E-E-L-T-H-Y-S-E-L-F at AOL.com. Very good. Thank you. My pleasure, and I send you wonderful blessings. Me too. (laughs) Much light. And to to know that the next moment may bring you your opening and your answers, Anne. Thank you so much. Oh, I appreciate great. It. Namaste. Okay, honey. Thank you. Namaste. Bye bye. Okay, bye bye. Is there anyone okay, else? Yeah, Cindy. Let me get Cindy on real quick. Hi, right. Cindy. You're live with the paranormal and the sacred. Do you have a question for Bruce? Kathy. Yes. You're on live. Hi, Bruce. Hi, my dear. Um, Hi, Kathy. Hi. <laughs> I need some healing. Let's do it. Two, I've got two hernias. Let's do it right That's, now. Okay, great. Now, you're going to be doing the work. I am going to be here sending light and love to you. Okay. Find with Shars light and love. You can't miss, okay? So I just want you to be comfortable where you are. And understand that this may not be an instantaneous shift, but granted, it will be the right energy you need at this time to catalyze whatever your next step is. So open yourself up to the understanding of the enfoldment that comes after this, okay? Okay. So right now, we're looking for any kind of relief that you can receive. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So you tell me and you tell Shar in the audience what you're feeling when you're feeling it, what you're sensing, and speak it out loud because this is your journey. This is your experience. Okay. Feeling burning. Sense coming through, Kathy. Feel a burning warmth. Okay. Let it sail where you want it to. Use your mind's eye. Right. And bring it to where you need it to be. This is not without the work you need to put to it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Feel tightening. Okay, I want you to think about your intention. What you need gonna, right now, how you need these hernias to release themselves and to and to give you a better place of comfort. So know that you are a complete whole being, Kathy. And I want you to go to a place where you were before you recognized these. So if they need to be addressed, say if they need to be perhaps surgically treated, I want you to be smart enough to recognize that as well, okay? Okay. Because any doctor that is going to work with you is going to be part of that team. Does that make sense? That's the problem. 
I've got no doctor that will touch me. They're bulging. Okay, so let's see if things shift, okay? Okay. Right now, I am going to say an outwardly prayer. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for bringing Kathy and myself and Char together right now and the whole of the listening audience for the collective whole of prayer and light and love, that there is no separation, that we are all part of the whole, we are a part of, part of everything and anything that surrounds us at any time. And everything and anything can be turned from lemons into lemonade. So in this very next step, knowing that each step reveals a new beginning, that you are brave enough and open enough to receive a complete, spontaneous healing. You feel you are, Kathy. I feel some like pulling tightening. Okay, so just know that you're in a safe place. Mm-hmm. Know that you're being taken care of, and I want you to repeat after me, okay? Sure. I feed my mind. I feed my mind. While I nourish my body. While I nourish my body. And expand my spirit. And expand my spirit. Take that in and see how it feels. Feels warm. Comforting, so? Yeah, very comforting. Good. Well, we may need to do some work over the phone. So, you, I don't know if you got my email or not. Yes, I do. I do donational healings over the line. Right. But I I but just like now that you're feeling it, you know that what I'm offering you is pure and real. And that's important. So I never do anything without creating a win-win, meaning like unless somebody feels something, unless they sense that they are gaining something as a result of the work that I am doing with them, then I don't receive because I want to create something that where that person is valued as whereas I, they are valuing what they're receiving um, and and gaining from it. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. So right now, we know that the prayer has been heard. And now let the unfoldment begin. Thank you. You are so welcome. I didn't know you you were suffering with that, and I'll keep you in my prayers, okay? Okay, thank you very much. Much love, many blessings, and I hope to hear from you. Thank you. I love you, Kathy. Okay, bye-bye. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, Hi, Bruce, again, and thank you so much for helping them. You never know what somebody needs. I didn't know um, that she was suffering with that, because that's extremely painful. So, well, I appreciate that she revealed in. that to us. I know, because she, she doesn't even complain or anything. God bless her. Is she here locally? And, uh, or? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. So I think we're a little bit over, right? Your, <laughs> yeah, that's okay, because we're now moved into recording. So 
what we're going to do is you tell us again about your event over the weekend so everybody can come down and meet you. Sure, sure. I'm happy to. It's going to be this coming Sunday. Now, they're going to have to check the website, uh, newearthexpo.net, for the exact time that I am speaking. As far as I know, what I did know, I'm speaking, I'm scheduled to speak at 1130. But now I, I look at the website and it says 1030, I think. Um, so I'm going to have to get a, uh, a better understanding of that. Yeah, it says I'm scheduled for 1030. Uh, there will be a lot of wonderful uh, expressors of their gift there as well. Uh, my friend Dean Price does marvelous astrology. Um, some of the other people there, a wonderful woman named, a uh, friend named Darshini, I believe might be there. Uh, a great mystic and uh, shamanic sound healer, Astarius Miracelli. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, and uh, just wonderful people who've come out to express their, you know, come out of the spiritual closet, so to speak, and took that brave step out there to uh, bring more light to people. So the event starts at 10 a.m., and it goes till 6 p.m. It is going to be uh, taking place at the... Um, Beverly Garland uh, Hotel, and that is located at 4222 Vineland Avenue, North Hollywood, California, 91602. And before I go, and I'm going to be uh, speaking there at some point, so check the website, please, for a definite time. And I will be offering healing demonstrations, but I will also be doing donational healings there. Uh, the special, the show special I'm offering is $40 for 20 minutes, and each additional 10-minute period, $20. So it's a great bargain. I'm happy to help where I can. Um, I'd like to do a, a couple of shout-outs if I can. Are we still on the air or no? Yeah, we're still recording. We're not... They can't, we're recording, so they'll be able to hear it in archives. So go ahead. Okay. I'd like to send healings out to my friend Ed and his lady Lois, my friend Aaron, uh, my mom, my sister Temra, my mom Nori, my sister Temra, my brother Larry, my uh, niece Rayleigh, my nephews Benjamin and Jonah, um, and, and all those individuals out there who so desperately need healing, um, also the support I've gotten from certain friends, oh, also uh, Judith Shama Malin and my friend Bob Boffman in Colorado, um, as well as giving love to those who support me so greatly, like... Uh, Lori Clarity Mandel, um, Ron, um, my buddy Ron, uh, and uh, you know, all, you know, all sorts of people who know who they are, um, who are there in support and love for me. My 
best friend Kurt Kressler, who without him is a sounding board, uh, I probably would not have made it this far. And just, um, you know, spreading love and light to the universe, that's the big, that is really the big necessary one thing if we can do and rid this world of hatred because that's the only thing I really hate is hatred. And since we're all in this together, we should learn to love more and care more for one another Mm -hmm. and, and give our strengths to those who need to feel strength and not bring people down and not make fun of people, but to build them up, not to break them down. So I feel very thrilled to be back on your show, Char. I thank you so a, much. A blessed guest on your show, and anyone out there who you feel called to call me to aid you, I'm more than happy to be of service. Thank you so much, Bertha. I really appreciate you coming on, and you're always welcome on. And uh, have a great weekend with the show, with uh, the event and everything. And uh, God bless you for all the good work you do, Ruth. It's been an honor. And I wish you a very good night. And you and Claire, many, many oh, blessings. And we'll you. talk soon. Talk Namaste and all that good stuff. All right, you too. Take care. Thanks again, sir. Okay, bye-bye. I don't want to thank everybody. Thank you, our wonderful guest, Bruce Gold. And you may contact him by going to his website, www.dgspiritualhealer.com, and that's the link to his uh, his uh, website. And you can also uh, email him at heelmyself at aol.com. And I want to thank all the people in chat who are always fabulous, the smartest chat in the world. And for those that called in and shared themselves with us because we did we did not know um, the particulars about it, and now we do, and we keep you in our prayers. And I want to thank you so much for uh, being so informative, Ruth, and we really enjoyed this. And listen every week, and those in our chat gallery uh, have really offered some interesting uh, uh, thoughts and questions during this time, too. Okay, so next next Friday, this excuse me, this coming Friday, our famous psychic medium Jackie Barrett, author of two books, one was about uh, the devil, I know about the anime horror horror case, and the other book she has, the Zodiac Killer, and a true story about the uh, Zodiac Killer. And uh, what we're going to be doing Friday is getting ready for Halloween, so we're going to have the on-air seance. I've never done it before. I don't know what's going to happen. I just hope we don't blow up the station. Anyway, follow the links to contact me. You can reach me on the Paranormal and the Sacred on Facebook. And you can message me also there. And uh, if you need help and assistance in any way you can. And then I want to say thank you for everybody again. And thank you for listening. I know there's a lot of awful, lot of uh, archive listens. I really appreciate you for tuning in to my show. So the Paranormal and the Sacred is a place where the unheard may be heard. And please recommend us to your family and friends. God bless everybody. May your best dreams come true and true love live in your heart. Love you so much. Take care. Bye-bye.